Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to another session on The Church Is Not Closed, It's Deployed. Uh, this week we have another friend, another week, another story from what the church is doing around the UK. And uh, this week I have the pleasure to introduce to you my good friend, Yemi Adadeji. Yemi is a Pentecostal pastor. He's involved with one of the largest churches in the UK, Jesus House in London. But he's also, interestingly, a canon of the Anglican Church as well. So he holds uh, the reverend status within the Anglican Church and a pastor status in the Pentecostal Church. He is born in Nigeria, but spent most of his adult life here in the UK. Uh, Yes, he used to be a model in his younger days, as you'll probably see. And uh, we actually travelled together to Africa ourselves last year to visit the work of Mercy Ships, where I discovered he's actually an African prince and he actually has royalty in his blood. So you've got a real treat ahead of you today. And I, I shouldn't say this, and you can't tell, but he also smells really good. He's like amazing. And I wish you could all be in the same room as him because he's just like such a great presence. You're going to love hearing from my friend, uh, Yemi. He's also recently written a book with Steve Clifford, uh, the previous uh, chief executive of, of uh, the Evangelical Alliance, um, called The Impossible Dream talk about how can you join together the ethnic diversity in our nation into our churches. And Yemi spends all of his energy and time working with churches across all the different, the black majority churches, white majority churches, and saying, how can we work together to better represent the body of Christ in our communities to our communities? You are in for an absolute treat. Enjoy. I'd like to be with saints here at Freedom Church. I am so excited to be with you, particularly knowing that uh, my friend, my very good friend, my mentor, to be honest, he mentored me in my early days being part of the planning group at Spring Harvest. And uh, I hosted some of the nights with him, and uh, he showed me the ropes on what to do and what not to do. My very good friend, Sim. And of course, to his dear wife, Lottie. Thanks very much for inviting me to be part of your fellowship today. My name is Yemi, and uh, I'm originally from Nigeria, and uh, I am an Anglican priest, and uh, I also serve at a church called Jesus House in London. Don't ask me why I am both an Anglican priest and a Pentecostal pastor. You know, God is a very, very unique God. He knows how to mix people together and to make them what he wants them to be. I'm really passionate to speak today about this whole issue of uh, integration and uh, how to see ourselves and see others in the way God has created us. The world lied to us that uh, there are different races, the black race, the white race, uh, the red race, whatever races they call them. But God actually created one race. It's called the woman race. And that woman race he created He created the woman race in his own image. And so it does not matter the color, the skin of your color. You are part of the God woman race. And he created us to be different. He loves diversity. Oh, what a beautiful God that we serve that loves diversity. He will have made everybody to be either black skinned or white skinned. But he loved diversity. So he created Men in his own image, men and women in his own image, but then with different distinct expression. So he created people with different nations, 
different type, different tongue, different ethnicity, different languages. Because he wants every one of us to get into a relationship together because that's how we will worship with him. And it's difficult to understand this unless, of course, you have been to heaven and see the way the eterna, our eternity will be and then you will understand. Don't ask me, I've not been to heaven before. But I want to quote from somebody who has been to heaven. Apostle John happens to be one of those people that he had a snippet of what the heavens look like. The thrones of God with human beings worshipping God. And I guess you must have been shocked with what he saw. You must have been shocked because if you are like me, I will have imagined the only people that will be in heaven worshiping God will be people like my color. But then what he saw was like, wow, is this the way heaven will look like? And that should put an impression upon your heart and upon my heart, the way we navigate this world as we move towards eternity. So in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, from verses 9 to 10, Apostle John wrote this. He said, after, after this, I saw a vast crowd. A whole big crowd, like in a stadium. Massive stadium. Too great to count. Millions, maybe billions of people. From every nation. Imagine the nations in the world. Every nation from Asia to Australia to Middle East to Africa to Europe to America to South America to the Oceanic Islands. Every nation and every tribe. Listen, you have to pay attention. Not only the nation but the tribe. Why? I am originally from Nigeria. In Nigeria alone, we have over 250 tribes. Now imagine the amount of tribes that Apostle John was talking about here. Every tribe. God created a tribe. And then he said he saw people and language. Different languages. Worshipping God. The English, the Arabic, the, 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 the Yoruba, the Igbo, the Aousas, the Fantis. All manners of language. The Chinese, the Indian languages. All before the Almighty God. They are all standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. One day, Every one of us, you and I, we are going to stand before the Lamb of Throne. And when we stand before the Lamb of Throne, we will stand in the authenticity of how God created us. In our nation, in our language, in our tribe to worship God. God is not going to ask that which tribe, which language, which nationality is superior to the other. Because God created us in his image. For it is us, us human beings, that try to create segregation, create separation, and create disunity. Not only in the world, but also in the church. And that's why there's a challenge for you and I. To see things the way God sees it. And then to begin to live the way God will want us to live. The wake of the George Floyd in America, murdered, created the whole pandemonium, both in America and here 
in United Kingdom and all across the world. And the whole Black Lives Matters became an issue. The reality is, to God, all lives matter. Every life matters to God. Irrespective of nationality, tribe, language, and context that we come from. But when there has been disproportionate expression and execution of, of relationship and of engagement, then one life seems to matter above the other. You will never know what discrimination looks like unless, of course, you're a person of color who live in this part of the world. Have I experienced it? I could count and stop counting. But why should that be? It's not because God created me less. It's not because God created other people more. God created all equal. But we human beings, we created this inequality. Our biasness, our racism, subtle racism or micro-racism allow us. So the black discriminate against the black, the white discriminate against the white, the black against the white, the white against the black. Particularly amongst the saints, the people who are in church. And that is where the challenge is bigger and the challenge is great. God is challenging you. God is challenging me. To look inside ourselves and see whether there's a prejudice, whether there's a bias. And to see whether we have discriminative tendencies and to begin to deal with ourselves, inside ourselves. Apostle John here saw the heavens, the throne of God. Because eventually, if we know where we are going to, is it not reasonable for us to start practicing what that will look like? Because the eternity is not going to have only the Africans there. It's not going to have only the English. It's not, only, it's not going to have only the Americans. It's going to have people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. All created equally in the image of God. And so Apostle John gave us this expression. It's like a pictorial expression of what things will look like. But then there's a missionary imperative to all of this. Because even Jesus, he knew that the only way the world will see and believe is when you and I, we come together in unity. And when they see the bond of unity, they will be shocked. They will be marveled. They are thinking, why, is he, why are they eating together? They look different. They don't talk different. They, they talk differently. They, 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 don't look, they don't look the same. They, they, don't, they, they, they don't appear the same. But yet there's a bond of unity. Where does that bond of unity come from? It comes from the Savior because we are both washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's what makes us to be united. And Jesus, when praying for the unbelievers, not only the believers, in John 17, 20 to 21, he said, I'm praying not only for these disciples. So Jesus saying to us today, he's not only praying for you and I. He said, but also for, for those, for all who will ever believe in me through their message. For those who will believe in Christ through you and I, our message. And what is that message? Then he prays, said, I pray that they will all be one. You and I to be one. The unity, the bond of brotherhood that has no discrimination, that has no line for exceptions, but that brings us together to be united as one. And he said, when the world see that, they will believe. That is our missionary imperative. 
Because at the end of the day, Jesus said, go into the world and go and make disciples. How do we make disciples of men? Jesus says here, when they see you, when they see me, we hold hands together. We eat together. We drink together. We pray together. We worship together. I don't see you as being less than me. You don't see me as being less than you. You don't have a superior mental frame, and I don't see myself as inferior to you either. But we took, take our hands and walk the walk, knowing that the leveling field is not equal, though, because the truth about the matter is there's what people call the white privilege. You don't know you have it, but you have it. Most people who are in this country, they have it. And there's nothing wrong about it. It's, 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 it's the country. It's the way it is. It is the land where you live. But here it is. I can use my white privilege in a way that will honor God. And I can use it to dishonor God. How do I use it to dishonor God? I will dishonor God if I take no cognizance of those who I know are going to run maybe harder and faster before they get to me. So I win all the time. I do not look back. Because, you know what? It's an 100-meter dash. Most people who are privileged are only running 20 meters to cut the tape. Most people who are migrants are starting from the beginning, either in education, either in criminal justice, either in church, either in business, either in, the, in, in, music, in, in entertainment industry. Whichever industry, they are all starting from the zero part. But most people in this land, they are already 20 meters towards the finishing line. So it's going to take many people, pay attention to this, three or four or five times the effort to get to the finishing line. Talk less about them winning. But then, what do you do? If you are going to play that leveling field in the image of God, what do you do? You wait and you look back and you say, come, I'm not running until you get to me. And then together, we finish. And that's what the world could not understand. And that's what's going to make the world believe that indeed, we have been made afresh in the image of God. And then Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, just like he might be writing, the letter could have been to you and I today in Ephesians chapter 4. Talking about unity, the same context. From verses 3 to 6, the Bible read, he said, make every effort. Man, that is deep. Why did he ask them to make every effort? Because he knew that you can easily make one effort and drop off the line. But he said, no, no, no. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This, there is one body. There is no two bodies. There's only one body. And there's only one spirit. Just as you are called to one up when you are called. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. Father of all who is over all through all in all. Apostle Paul was deconstructing this to them and saying, well, there's no point in trying to create a separation trying to segregate because at the end of the day, we are serving only one God. And so he said to them, make every effort. 
What does making every effort mean? It really means that uh, you are being challenged to walk the walk of that unity. Albert may not be comfortable for you. You know, my dear friend Steve Kilford, the former general director of the Evangelical Alliance. We served at Evangelical Alliance for almost about eight years together, trying to bring and build the bond of unity within the evangelical body. It was difficult. It was challenging. Much more challenging when we find each other in our spaces. I remember many times when Steve will come to the kind of church that uh, I, will, I belong to or I have a kind of inclination to. And then he will wait for a very long service that doesn't come to an end. If you've ever been to uh, African or Afro-Caribbean church service, you know, um, uh, we warm up, right? And then when it is prayer, we just don't pray and keep quiet. You know, after praying for 30 minutes, you are just warming up because, you know, <laughs> uh, 30 minutes just warming up. And then two hours, we pray from 12 to 6, night vigil, non-stop. And then... When we sing, we just don't stay in one place or wherever. We dance, we, we sweat, we do everything. And then I feel sorry for my friend Steve that will come to this kind of meeting, endure the long prayer, endure the, the long service. And when it comes to dancing, as you know, he uh, doesn't have the rhythm. So instead of me, as an African, as you are digging it down, my friend Steve is just stomping like if he's jogging. And I'm saying, Steve, stop, stop. He's making every effort. Every effort he's making. Apostle Paul said that make every effort. Why does he have to stay that long making every effort? Why does he have to endure all of that making every effort? And then they will serve us food full of African pepper. I'm saying, Steve, don't try it. Don't try it. And then he will eat it with sweat coming out of his face. I'm asking him, Steve, why do you have to endure all of these things? Then I understand what Apostle Paul wrote. Make every effort. Are you making an effort enough for the bond of unity, for the saints to be together? My own making every effort. Oh, I could tell stories. Stories upon stories. My latest one was I went to, I was, I was asked to speak at a church. And I had my robe as an Anglican priest in my bag. And I got to the front of the church. And I asked the gentleman, precious gentleman by the door, where is the vestry? And he looked at me and he said, oh, the, 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 the water didn't burst in the vestry. It's the other Building there, I'm sure you must be the plumber. I asked again, I said, I'm not the plumber, I'm, I'm, I'm here. He said, no, 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 you can't go to the vestry. Uh, the, 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 you are the plumber, and that is where the, uh, the, water, the water pipe burst. And then I have to say to him, I am the visiting speaker. I have my robe in my bag. I'm just asking you for the vestry so I can go and change. And then he said, oh, I'm really sorry, I apologize. Why? He had a bias. He saw a black man. He must be the plumber. He never in his mind thought he could be the speaker. And that's why Apostle Paul said, make every effort. That was making every effort for me to still stand in front of my brothers and sisters and still speak to them. 
making every effort. Every effort in traveling miles and miles and miles and miles and miles to some places to go and speak. Only to live there in a way that you almost want to think, do I really want to do this again? Making every effort. Making every effort is to attend the very first Christian festival in this country. I thought I was going to sleep in a hotel. And they said, did you bring your tent? I said, tent? I'm an African man. I don't camp. Making every effort. And I have to come for two weeks. So what effort are you making, my brothers? What effort are you making, my sisters? God is calling on you, just like God is calling on me. There might be people that you will see in your workplace, along the road, maybe in the shopping mall, maybe when you travel outside this city, maybe when you travel outside this country. You know, making effort is to take a step beyond your world and humble, we all humble each other to learn from them and challenge those biases that we might have. And part of the way to challenge the biases will be to authentically look at God and ask him, is there anything at all, God, that is blocking my heart, that is blocking my, my, my own view, that is not allowing me to see people in the way you have created them? And let God clean that. And then you look inside yourself whether you have your own inherent blind spot biases. Maybe in how you speak, maybe in what you do, maybe in what relates to people. And you ask God to deal with it. And then you look into the world and you open your hands and you open your heart and then you embrace people. Just God, the way God has created them in his own image. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for this precious saint. We come humbly before you because we know we cannot do this unless you do it in us and through us. So reveal to us everything that will stop us from being what you have made and called us to be. And then show us where we have our own biases. But at the same way, allow us to be able to see the people you have created in your own image so that our relationship and engagement with them may be in such a way that when the world see us, they will believe and they will come to know Jesus as their Lord and our Savior. Thank you ever so much. God bless you. I can't wait to be with you physically. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.